Welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. And uh, tonight, as you remember, last week we had talked about Brother Benjamin was going to talk about this, um, the Daniel 70 week and the Jubilees. Um, Brother Benjamin had something that came up, but we are going to try to get it recorded within the next few days for next week's episode. Do apologize for that, uh, but it just we talked today and it just couldn't make it happen. So we will make that happen, though, and uh, Lord willing, and get that hopefully to next week's program. Um, but anyways, keep Brother Benjamin in prayer and myself and 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 everybody out there that's um you know as the as the book of Jude says we're you know contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints and folks I can't stress enough that word contend to strive we have a part to play we are to seek the Lord with all of our hearts. It's not just something we read a verse here, we, we you know say a quick prayer. It is about contending for the faith, seeking your heavenly Father with everything you've got. And then he in return gives us victory, sets us free. It's his job to deliver. It's our job to seek him. And even if you don't have the strength, he gives the strength. Just tell him, Lord, I don't have the strength to seek you. I need you. Let's pray. Father, I pray tonight this program, which I believe is very important to the hour we are living in, but not just because of the things that are happening in the world, but it is a call to the inner courage of the remnant in this hour. I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. I want to speak tonight concerning the Zadok priesthood. It is very important that we remember what this priesthood stood and stands for. You remember the famous quote, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Isn't that the truth? Good men do nothing. And I'm afraid, brothers and sisters, we are living in a time where those who call themselves leaders, those who call themselves believers, those who call themselves even sometimes a part of the remnant, do nothing about what's going on in this world today. I'm not talking about going out and rising up and, and, and that kind of stuff against the powers to be. And I'm talking about standing up for the principles and the truths of God in a godless world, unwilling to compromise. Maybe it's in a church, maybe it's in a fellowship, whatever it is, but willing to stand up instead of cowering down and giving in to the ways of this world. Listen, I know that there are so many churches out there in, in America that are not following the word of God, and I'm not here to encourage any of one of you necessarily that you need to be in a church or not in a church or whatever fellowship, uh, whatever it may be, you know, that's associated with any organization. I'm not saying that, but there are still people. Uh, there are still men of God out there that are preaching from pulpits. I don't care what anybody says. God has not given up on people. But there are so much lies and hypocrisy that if only the congregation would stand up, if only men and women of God would stand up, what 
differences could have been made. The cup of Babylon, America, is full. Do not forget that for one moment. It's not only full, it's running over. And we are farther gone than Sodom and Gomorrah ever was, and this nation shall be destroyed, according to Revelation chapter 18. But it's the problem we run into is the conditioning that we as believers were brought up. This conditioning was, it comes from the church, mainstream church denominations that many churches people went to, whether you're in one now or not, but from a kid, from a child, from your grandparents, whatever, you went to church and you were taught that the pastor should have been a good, godly man. And the leaders of a church should have been good, godly people and men. And and that we were taught instead of focusing on Jesus, Yeshua as the head, we were taught inadvertently, maybe, maybe that wasn't on purpose, but it was just the way it was done, that we were to rely on the pastors or the leaders as our spiritual guides through church. And when something would happen to one of them, we would be devastated at their fall or their demise. Because instead of looking upon the Lord as the head, we looked upon man and some people women, uh, which, I, you know, it's another topic. But for me, I follow the word of God. For man, we looked upon them as our guide, unfortunately, only to be let down time and time again. And you can always tell people's faith when this happens. You can go to a church and see what happens because many times you will watch the congregation be destroyed. Case in point, uh, you've seen what's happened with these sick pastors have been exposed for all the things they've done and the molesting people and and young females and everything in their churches and, and getting away with it, even though the half the congregations probably knew about it for years and finally comes out and everybody's just shocked and devastated when all along something wasn't right and that somebody could have stood up and made a change, but they never did. They allowed the corruption to go on forever, but when it finally happens, they're they're devastated or they act like it never really happened and the pastor can just continue on because nobody likes conflict. Nobody wants to have anything ever to go wrong. So we'll just keep on going the way as we always did. Let's just not talk about that. Unfortunately, it happens all the time. But watching someone's faith be ruined. I remember during COVID when churches were shut down everywhere and we were meeting in home church and, and, and they were, uh, I had a particular friend that was a pastor and I, I did love him dearly, but he, the fear was unbelievable, shut down the churches and we'd have, I mean, 50, 60, I don't know how many people is ridiculous up here. Um, at home church, we, we nicknamed ourselves the first church of the deplorables. Um, it was just a little joke we had because we weren't, you know, everybody considered us horrible people because we wanted to love each other and hug each other. And we didn't care. We weren't going to stop worshiping just because they said, don't worship. And we weren't going to wear these, you know, coverings because they said we need to wear these coverings. We were going to follow God. And we acknowledged and recognized that the government has no place in God's house. And that house that was in our garage. 
And um, I remember all the people coming because the churches were shut down. They had nowhere to go. And so, hey, we had a place for them to come where they could worship freely and we could worship the Lord. But watching people be devastated and watching pastors ruin churches over their lack of faith in God was absolutely disgusting and horrible and tragic. And it seems to hurt the most, though, is when it's someone who you really believed was following God. Okay. And we, and listen, I'm not saying we don't have spiritual mentors. We all do. Okay. There's spiritual mentors in the Bible. Paul often talked about mimicking the things he did, you know, not talking about following him, but the things he did, he was a mentor. He, he was a discipler. And, and when you see that happens, it can often destroy someone's faith because of the lack of never being taught that we follow God above men and women. And so what's even more interesting, though, is we see so often this experience, we see it for ourselves in the pain we feel when we see this happen, but so often we forget how our heavenly father feels when he sees these same things happen. When he sees people that are in a group, in a church, in a, in a, in a county, maybe you could make a difference in a school or something like that that's going on. Maybe you could pull your children out of a school, right? And get them out of this, this you know, teachings of Babylon. And you re- won't do anything or ever confront anybody about the evil that they are doing and allow it to continue and become complacent and eventually almost accepted of the things that they're doing. And it's horrible. But we often love to sit back behind, you know, the keyboard or on their Facebook or whatever it is and, you know, spit out how we're against evil. But we never actually say or do anything to confront it. And especially when our children's lives are at stake. The men in America, many of them, are absolute sissies. And it's disgusting. They've become women. There's no backbone. And you don't have to be some macho stud that, you know, is built and, and can, you know, train fighter and all these things. I'm talking about there have been many men who were weak physically, but strong at heart because they realized the things of God were worth more than the things of this world. That's what happened Back in the days of Samuel, when he was a little boy and Eli, you remember the story, how Eli was allowing his children to do whatever he wanted to do. He was allowing his children to sin uh, with the women and, and to do all these horrible things against the Lord. And he would not do anything. He, w- he told his kids about the evil that he had heard. But he never took any action to stop them. And God was angry. If you remember, the un- that's when the, the, the unknown prophet shows up in 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 27. I'm just going to read this for a minute. And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father? 
when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation? And listen to this. Honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. God says, you honor your children above me. Now, folks, we love our children and we would do anything to save our children. And we hope that our children follow the ways of God. But sometimes it doesn't matter if you're the high priest of Israel. Children will make their own decisions. You, it doesn't matter how good or bad of a job you've done. People are responsible for themselves. You can't beat yourself up. But when confronted with a situation and a child's lifestyle or a child's decisions are against the word of God, which are you going to choose? Does that mean you have to stop loving your children? No, but you do not have to accept nor condone that behavior. And that is exactly what they did. Now, here's the thing. We're talking about God's house specifically. And he was allowing this to happen inside of God's house. And how many people here have ever been in a congregation or whatever, a fellowship where you've allowed a person to take down the very worship service or the fellowship because of their behavior and nobody is willing to ever stand up and do anything or say anything about it? It's a shame. And God was angry. So finally, the unknown prophet goes through this prophecy and tells him all the things he's going to destroy his house and everything that's going to happen. It's not going to be good. But then in verse 35, he says something very interesting. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in my heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thine house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and shall say, put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's offices that I may eat a piece of bread. So God tells Eli, that's fine. You want to desecrate my altar sacrifices by allowing this to happen? That's fine. I'm going to raise myself up a faithful priest who will keep my ways and do that which is right. And you know what's going to happen to your family? They're going to be coming and begging for bread. Now, many people think, well, this, who's this faithful priest? It must be Yeshua. It's not Yeshua. Because it says this priest shall stand in front of his anointed. Well, Yeshua is the anointed one. Okay. That's what Messiah means. The anointed one. 
I know many people like to call themselves the Messiah today, right? You've heard the ministries, I've got this anointing. Yeah, well, they're calling themselves basically Jesus. Many of you should come in my name. A little side note there. We're talking about someone else. If you look at this closely, the scholars will all tell you that this was a prophecy about a future priest, even a lineage or a legacy too, of a high priest named Zadok. You see, in David's day, there were two priests that were ruling at the same time. Some writings say that they were high priests. Uh, um, one was named Zadok and the other was named Abiathar, if you remember. Both of these priests had carried the ark of the Lord and both of them were loyal to the throne of David. In the days of Absalom's rebellion, you remember David's son with the with the long, beautiful hair, apparently, that he hung himself with. Um, when days of Absalom's rebellion, both men could be counted on. But as we will see, both men were not pure in heart. You see, both Zadok and Abiathar were priests descended from Aaron of the tribe of Levi, but their lineages had split. Aaron had two you know, had different children. If you look down the Eliezer, his son Eliezer's path, you have Eliezer, Phineas, Athetub, Zadok, and Hem, Ahiamus. If you look down the Ithamar path of Aaron, you have Ithamar, Eli, and then, of course, you have Hophni and Phineas, and then it continues down from Phineas has Athetub and Ichabod, who I don't know where his lineage went off to, but it all the way down to Ahimelech, Abiathar, and then Jonathan. So you see Zadok and Abiathar both came from Aaron, but their lineages were split. And so they, yes, they had the same great, same great, 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 however many granddaddies, but they had different outcomes at the same time, though, they were both serving the Lord. One was from the house of Eli and the other was from Eleazar's lineage or Eli came from Ithamar's. Everything was going good, though, in this dual priesthood until David um, had declared that Solomon would be king. But the king had another son, Adonijah, decided to attempt to seize the throne from David. First Kings chapter one, starting at verse five, says this. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king and be and he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, why hast thou done so? And he also was a very goodly man and his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah and with Abiathar, the priest, and they followed Adonijah they following Adonijah helped him, but Zadok the priest and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and Nathan the prophet and Shimea and Rhea and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. Uh oh, we've got a we've got a split in the priests now. They were co-managing, but the family is about to break apart. So we see Adonijah sounding just like Satan. When he said, I will be like the most high. Did you pick that up when he said that earlier? 
He says, I will be king. Did you hear that in, in First Kings uh, 1, verse 5? I will be king, he said. What he was saying is just like Satan, I will be like the most high, like the king, right? Just like the devil himself. The, his power, or excuse me, his hunger for power. And you can read later on that he had not only a lust for power, but he also had a lust for women when he wanted Abishag for himself. Decides he is going to go against the very will of God and set up his own kingdom. Folks, I, I can't stress this enough. There are so many people out there who believe they have this so such as anointing on themselves that they want to set up their own kingdom, their own leadership, their own style of worship. You can turn on the TV and see them on these preachers all the time. You can turn on the internet and see them. They are trying to set up their own kingdom because the God that they're talking about is not the God of the Bible. And you look at this and say, how does a priest like Abiathar who had looked the part and played the role and supposedly lived the life, get drawn away by his, this deceitful son of King David. We now have a split in the priesthood. But Zadok was different. You see, Abiathar ended up being like the pastors in modern day America. Whatever, you know, well, I'll follow the, the ways until the time that the culture shifts and now we've got all these new beliefs and genders and all these things like that. I want to be cool and go with where it seems like the flow of modern society is going. And I want to try to go with them because that's the cool way. But Zadok was wanting to stay with the right, holy things of God and do the very will of God. Look at verse 8 again. But Zadok the priest and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and Nathan the prophet and Shimei and Reah and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. You see, Zadok was not an ordinary priest. Zadok was not just some run-of-the-mill guy who had a good uh, gift for Bible studies or who was a great orator. Zadok was something special. First Chronicles chapter 12 gives us a little interesting insight into Zadok, starting in verse 23. And these are the numbers of the bands that were ready, armed to war and came to David to Hebron to turn the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. Now they were following because this was the word of the Lord. The children of Judah that bear shield and spear were 6,800 ready armed to war of the children of Simeon mighty men of valor were for war 7100 of the children of Levi 4600 and Jehoiada was the leader of the Aaronites and with him were 3700 and Zadok a young man mighty of valor and of his father's house, 22 captains. You see, Zadok was not an ordinary priest, brothers and sisters. Listen to me closely. Zadok was a warrior. He was a warrior for the Lord. He was not afraid to stand up and do what God wanted him to do. He was not just somebody who could give a Bible study, but he was willing to lay his life down for the very cause of God. That's why he was different.
Zadok was all in. He is a part of the mighty men of David. And Zadok is not only a follower of God, but he is willing to fight for what's right. And when the moment of truth came, when you could have easily followed the young son of David, you know, Adonijah, Zadok stood firmly in his loyalty to not only God, but also the king. Zadok went on to anoint Solomon and serve before him, and Abiathar the priest was banished, just like the word of the Lord had said. First Kings chapter two, verse twenty-six and seven says this: "And unto Abiathar the priest said to the king, Get thee to Anathoth unto thy own fields, for thou art worthy of death. But I will not at this time put thee to death, because thou." Bearest the ark of the Lord before David my father, and because thou hast been afflicted, and all wherein my father was afflicted. So Solomon thrust out Abiathar from being priest unto the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spake concerning uh, the house of Eli in Shiloh. Solomon spared his life because he had carried the ark, but he banished him to Anathoth and out of the priesthood. You see, I don't care if your parents were prophets. I don't care if your dad was a great pastor or preacher or whatever. I don't care if you've been touched by whoever and this anointing passed on. It doesn't matter because if you want to turn and walk contrary to the word of God, you are going to find out that the Lord may have the same thing in mind as he did for Abiathar. Now, the good news is you can repent. You don't have to. But Abiathar had problems. He thought that a new kingdom different from what God had set up would somehow be superior and the Lord would bless. Folks, you better make sure in this hour that you are following the right king and you are following the lead in his kingdom. Fast forward to Ezekiel's day. The corporate body is now in Babylonian captivity. Worship of God had continued on but things had gotten bad. Ezekiel chapter 8, starting in verse 7. And he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold, the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, from the form of creeping things and abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the walls about them. And there stood before them 70 men of the ancients of the house of Israel. And in the midst of them stood Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand and a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do? In the dark, every man in his chamber of his imagery, for they say, the Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. You see, on the outside, they looked the part of a believer. But on the inside, they were doing wrong. And folks, I don't care. 
so often when something happens and people, these things happen, these tragedies, people saw it coming. People knew things weren't right. The doctrine had changed. The beliefs had changed. But nobody stood up and said anything. They would soon rather that their schools be overrun by liberals pushing damnable theology, that their children are not who they were supposed to be, instead of standing up and saying, enough, I have had it. Because nobody wants to do it. Just like that, it was the most disgusting thing I think I've ever seen to date, when my friend, I it was horrible, showed me that thing where the all the gays were out there in San Francisco. Now, they had it blurred out, but they're naked men riding bikes, and they were in the gay pride parades talking about we're here, and they're, they're um, queer and here to get your children. We're coming for your children. It was so gross, but what I couldn't stand the most was there was kids lined up and down the sidewalks watching this stuff. You should go to prison for taking a child to something like that. That's actually too good, in my opinion, for what you deserve. It's disgusting. It's confusing. And to expose a child to this, yet we allow churches, we allow people to say in groups all kinds of things that are so far out against the word of God and nobody says anything anymore or we allow our children to attend schools where this is, listen, I don't care how poor you are. Find a way. Ask God, Lord, I don't want my kid going here. I don't have any money. You know what? I checked. God has a lot more money than anybody has. And if you are desperate enough to get your kids out, I'm telling you, the Lord will find a way. And if you can't homeschool, there are still some Christian schools out there that are doing the right thing and they will find money to get you there. But you got to get them out of this forsaken pit of a society that we are in. And teach them in the right ways. But even though God's angry, he's broken at the same time. Ezekiel 21, God tells him what's coming. God tells Ezekiel, and he tells him in there, so you can go read it. He says, you need to weep for what's coming. And when God tells him to weep, why do you think it is? Because the Lord's broken over what's about to happen. Ezekiel chapter 33, and they come unto me, and starting in verse 31, as the people cometh and sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness, and lo, thou art unto them a very lovely song, of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear the words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. So God tells Ezekiel, they love Ezekiel to come listen to your show. Okay, they love to listen to your sermon, right? They love to come listen to the broadcasts, you know, on wherever it might be, a remnant call, anywhere else. But people don't want to do the very word of God. I keep trying to tell so often, this must be the worst show out there for discouraging people from listening to it. I try to tell people all the time, I would rather you shut this program off and spend time with God than continue to listen and never open your Bible. 
you can't just keep talking or listening about and, and, and never do anything. And the first thing we got to do is get into the very word of God, pray and seek his face so that God can reveal what his desire for us to do in his life. Now, maybe your desire for you is to do one thing, but for somebody else, it could be another. But we have to know his voice and understand by spending alone time. But finally, in chapter 44, after all this madness of pagan worship and refusing to do what God says, you know, in these idolatrous practices, God is angry in verse 12 of chapter 4. And listen to what he says. Because they ministered unto them before their idols and caused the house of Israel to fall into iniquity. Do you understand what's happening here? These churches that are stood up, many in the United States today, are causing people to fall so far away from God because they don't even recognize and understand they have been taught idolatry and the pastors and the leaders have been ruining people's lives instead of bringing them to Christ for salvation and transformation. He says, therefore have I lifted up mine hand against them, saith the Lord, and they shall bear their iniquity and they shall not come near me to do the office of a priest unto me, nor to come near to any of my holy things in the most holy place, but they shall bear their shame and their abomination which they have committed. These people aren't anywhere close to God. God says to him, that's it. These wicked priests have defiled everything that is holy and they shall not Come near unto me. God had had it. Enough is enough. That day God drew a line in the sand and divided again the priesthood. But thank God, thank God, there's always a but in the Bible. Ezekiel chapter 44. Now we had just read 12 and 13 where he's angry. But listen, starting in verse 15. But the priests of the Levites, the sons of Zadok, that kept the charge of my sanctuary, when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to me to minister unto me, and they shall stand before me to offer unto me the fat and the blood, saith the Lord. They shall enter into my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to minister unto me, and they shall keep my charge. God says those priests that didn't stray, those pastors who kept my ways, those elders who refused to compromise, those deacons who would never stop, those home church leaders and home fellowship leaders that said, you know what, the ways of God are right. I'm not going to compromise. He said, they shall minister to me. They will be his people. So here we are in 2023. And as I saw today, the leader of this country you see that today's the what is the date the date today today is the uh 14th of july watching how he acted around that little girl is disgusting people are gross our leaders are defiled they, they, they're worshiping some you know the beast they're wor- they this gospel that and they, they say that they, some of them even claim the name of God, but it's it's a different God. And, 
and the what they're pushing is so evil. And and I'm wondering, are the believers going to stand up and just allow their children to be trampled under human trafficking, trafficking, the genetic modifications, sex slaves, the pedophilia, the bestiality. That's just sick. Adultery in the church and the disregard for the holy things of God. You know, I never thought it's so bizarre to me when I talk about keeping God's commandments that people call me a legalist because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So because I love him, I want to do what he says, but then people say, well, you're just trying to work your way into the kingdom. I'm like, that's so foreign. When did obedience become legalism? We're doing what the master said. We're not talking about earning the free gift of salvation. You can't earn that. It's free. It has to be free. It was paid for by the Messiah. Killing babies. All the people who back in the 70s and six, late 60s and 70s, remember, called our troops baby killers. All they want to do is kill babies. They used to say, oh, it's about peace. All they want is war. War in Ukraine and Russia. That's all they want. There's not a single attempt from the current administration to bring peace. No, they want war. I'm wondering who's going to stand up and say the things of God are worth fighting for anymore. Where are the warrior priests of Zadok? When will they shine forth? Folks, we're at a crossroads. Our political system has failed us. Many of the teachers in our public school systems have failed our children. And as a parent, I have failed mine many times. But there comes a point in time when you say enough is enough. This is a war and God is looking for warriors, not sissies warriors i'm not talking about the type who can go out here and whip a bunch of people i'm talking about those who are willing to fight on their knees and are willing to stand up and say something for the truth of god in this hour people who think the holy things of god should remain holy and they are willing to stand for them you know jesus when he went to the temple and he saw how they defiled the temple and they had money changers and they were selling and making profit in God's house. The Bible, when he flipped it over and made a cord of, you know, he made a cord and the Bible says he whipped them out of there. Okay. It wasn't just some little round and round. He was swinging. No, the Bible said he whipped them out of there because the zeal for his father's house, he couldn't stand for it to be defiled. But yet we'll allow our families to go to hell without even standing up for the things of God anymore.
get a backbone. Stand up for God. You can't do it in your flesh. You don't have the strength. I'm not strong enough. You're not strong. We're not tough enough. But it's when we get close to God and we start ministering as a priest of Zadok would minister, right? By keeping the things of God holy, that God gives us the strength and the power to do that which we cannot do in our own flesh. God needs prayer warriors and people who will stand up and say that pastor that is unholy is not a thing of God but it's not because of their flesh and the way they want to sound holier than the pastor it's because they're being led by the spirit of God to speak the truth of God and the timing of God will be appropriate because they have spent time in their prayer closets on their knees asking their heavenly father what he would like them to do instead of sitting there and telling God everything we need him to do why don't we say God what would you have us to do for you today folks let Zadok be a reminder and an inspiration that his life would point us to the most high. That following God is worth it. Even when your co-ministers are following another gospel, stand for the truth. This is Brother Frank saying to everybody, Keep the faith. Keep standing strong. It won't be long. The Lord will return. Good night and shalom. Trumpet in time.